0: Welcome to Own Goal Podcast. The date is June 16th, 2020. Soccer is back in full swing. La Liga has resumed. Italian soccer has resumed. And tomorrow, the Premier League is back. And of course, who to headline the first Premier League soccer game in nearly three months? But Jack Grealish. I am so
1: excited to watch that hot man play.
0: Yeah, I mean... Versus a very surprising, probably surprising team of the season in Sheffield United who are gunning for a top four spot, followed by who just doesn't love to see Manchester City and Pep Guardiola just bend Arsenal over and just give them a how do you do. Uh,
1: yeah, we got, a, we got a, an exciting uh, slate of games to talk about, both uh, past uh, last week and, and looking forward to, to this week. But first... To
2: the byline. It's in, it, it's an goal!
0: It's a gift! Oh, well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him, sticks his left leg out, it almost hits
2: his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the neck. Gets ahead of the ball, it's the inside of his car. astonishing <laughs> <laughs> the
1: I'm just going to rip the bandaid on this one. Let's, let's jump right into the Italian, uh, super uh, I'd like
0: to give an NSFW I'll... warning. This is about to be like the scene in four <laughs> year old virgin where Steve Carell gets that hairy chest wax. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so going into this tie, I, I think I was texting the OS, texting, uh, some of our other friends, Milan, were just going to get wrecked. Like I had no illusions of grandeur that Milan was going to pull out some miracle, uh, you know, tie, win, whatever they needed uh, to, to move on. It just, it wasn't in the cards. Uh, Juve are a vastly superior squad to what this Milan shit pile is. And uh, Milan have struggled mightily this season when coming back from kind of breaks, uh, international breaks, uh, winter break, and now a three-month hiatus. The cards just were not, in the deck for, for Milan. And, <laughs> I mean, uh, for those of you who are unaware, uh, Juventus did did not beat Milan, but on away goals due to the uh, bullshit penalty they were given in the previous fixture at San Siro, did advance. Uh, but more importantly, shortly after, another controversial, I don't know if it should have been awarded or not penalty, uh, that CR seven surprisingly missed uh ante Rebic of milan flying spartan kicked somebody on the juventus squad uh going for a ball and was rightfully red carded uh i think 10 minutes into the game so once that happened i was like well i'm glad i'm glad i don't have to even try to believe in, in a miracle uh but more importantly than what we saw from milan who's a, a mid-table team in this year's Serie a season. I was from a, an attempted unbiased perspective, concerned with what we saw out of Juventus. They looked like a team that had, doesn't have a shot in hell to compete for a Champions League title with how they played against this mediocre squad.
0: They looked like as a collect like, nobody looked individually out of shape or anything like that, but as a team, they almost looked like they were playing 20 pounds overweight. Very <laughs> lackluster, very slow. The final product wasn't there. They just, they just didn't seem like they were on the same page at all. They showed a lot of, lot of rust. Um, I mean, they,
1: they had a man advantage for eighty minutes, and they couldn't score against a team that, outside of you know Alessio Romagnoli and uh, you know Gigi Donnarumma, don't have that much skill to boast.
0: Well, what about your fullback? Who's, who's your second top scorer?
1: Well, he was. A, suspended on accumulation oh that's right yeah he's good though yeah we know but we didn't have our 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 second best attacking option you know our left back Teo hernandez
0: i mean listen marcelo's been the the second best attacking (laughs) option for real madrid for years now
1: well i mean you could argue when they had cr7 and benzema uh uh, marcelo was third
0: okay but now he's second now, it's, now
1: it's, it's, you know, out, he might be first. It's it not about Bale's golf playing ass. No, some people would argue it's Sergio Ramos, but those people
0: are high. Um, Yeah, it, I would. If I'm Lazio or if I'm Inter and I'm one of these teams who is just right on the heels of Juve, I am liking what I saw, and that's lighting a fire under my belly because, like you said, they didn't look like a team that could win the Champions League if it resumes because we're still kind of up at. In- it's limbo curious yeah also what's psg gonna do when everyone else gets to play champions league games and like play games and get (laughs) back in shape and they're just like really rusty i think they're just all their cards around that mbappe is gonna outrun everybody
1: you know the the four major european leagues all have plans in motion to restart and then you've got the you know the next biggest league uh the biggest mid-major the uber eats league uh uh or over here like wait wait what, what about us why don't we get a play <laughs> just, for someone who doesn't care about the french league i find it hilarious
0: i really think that there was no way the french league was ever going to recover from being sponsored by uber eats that <laughs> that, that was a real hammer blow <laughs>
1: i read that next year uh coca-cola may be sponsoring syria oh it's just like just comparing that to well, Double you know, breeds. people call it the Coke so, yeah. League
0: on the DL anyway. So, <laughs> well, I guess they're putting cocaine back in the recipe.
1: I think that's from a uh, Maradona days, honestly. Just, just uh, but like you know, I think what's interesting...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what's interesting, what's uh, interesting too, is the other tie. The you know, this was the Milan-Uve uh, matchup was one of the two semifinals. The other one saw Napoli and Inter going out. At each other, and uh, my previously, you know, Milan great, then Milan manager, then ex Milan manager Gennaro Gattuso, uh, was brought in to replace Carlo Ancelotti of Red Napoli. And uh, fighting and scrapping, they were able to to get their way into the Coppa Italia final, which will be tomorrow on ESPN Plus and on I think I think regular mainstream ESPN uh, at two o'clock central. So. If you're hankering for some soccer to watch and you don't want to watch the Premier League or you can get some dual screen action going, I think that should be a decent, scrappy, but decent fight.
0: Yeah, my hope is that Man City just go up 2-0 on Arsenal pretty early so I don't have to pay attention to that game anymore and I can watch the Napoli-Juventus game, which should be competitive, though the way Juventus looked a few days ago, Napoli could just blow them out of the water.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to get carried away. Napoli is the team that I think, you know, as of right now are sixth in the the table at Serie A. Uh, So they're, you know, they're a good almost 30 points behind Juventus uh, in the league table. So it's it's not like Juve doesn't have the talent to go out there and just put that game away in the first half. Uh, But that being said, if they play the way they played Earlier, mm, it, it could get ugly, which is all I'm hoping for.
0: Interesting note um, in the in the second leg of the Milan Juve game, Cristiano Ronaldo missed a penalty that probably shouldn't have really been awarded in the first place. If you look back at like the sequence of events leading up to it, but that's the that's his in uh, his last four penalty misses, including that one, have come in different years. So his last four penalty misses occurred in 2017, 18, 19 and 2020. It's an interesting statistic.
1: So you're saying that he was just trying to get his 2020 miss out of the way.
0: Yeah, assuming that he assuming he was just trying to get out of the way now and then it then just if there's a stat he, of how many penalties will Ronaldo miss the rest of the year, just hammered it, it's going to be none.
1: I think I think the uh, this was a CR7 galaxy brain move. So uh, he Actually, uh, upper upper arm handled the ball in the event leading up to the handball that right. ball rewarded the penalty on. And then he misses the penalty, and then Milan clears it, and uh, Rebic goes after flying Spartan kick to volley that that clearance ball, and that's when he Spartan kicks the Juve defender in the chest. I think uh, I think Ronaldo knew that chaos would ensue, a missed penalty, and he was deciding to take that miss on his name to give Juve a 10-man uh or a, a 10 to 11 man advantage.
0: Damn. Ronaldo's are in all those I, I bl- and I'm playing tic-tac-toe with a stick in the dirt.
1: I want it to be clear that the red card was absolutely the right call, but I blame the ref for reward- awarding that penalty, that soft, soft penalty 10 minutes into the game, because that's what directly led to Rebich going all Karate
0: Kid. And, speak, and then, you know, looking at Italian soccer as a whole, besides the um, cup final tomorrow, the Serie A resumes this weekend on Saturday. Um, nothing super exciting on Saturday, but, you know, Inter in action on Sunday, Milan and Juve in action on Monday. So,
1: you um, can't put exciting and Milan in the same sentence uh, unless you have a time machine to take us back like half a decade or more. Probably a full decade if we're being on. A- honest so let's just let's not pander to me you know it's it's, I know what you're doing it's not cute uh it's 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 hurtful uh that being said we got a couple things to keep an eye on you know we actually currently have a title fight you know you've got Juve sitting uh on the lead at 63 points but Lazio are right behind and then on 62 points and another interesting thing is Lazio have about an 11 point goal differential uh lead over Juve so if it were to come down to goal differential, uh, I'd, you know it'd probably be a scenario where, where Lazio had that advantage. Uh, and then we have Inter, with a game in hand, are currently eight points down uh, from Lazio, nine points down from Juve. So uh, Inter is hopefully falling behind a little bit, but uh, we still then have Napoli, Roma, and Atalanta all vying for that fourth-place Champions League spot. So we got got a lot of stuff going on. Not too interesting of a uh, relegation battle. Um, there's a few teams, kind of uh, 18 through 14 that are pretty close. Honestly, 18 through fucking Milan and seventh, they're all all kind of clustered in there. But nothing, no storylines to really keep an eye on for the relegation battle yet. Uh, but we'll keep you updated.
0: And this Italian soccer update was brought to you by Michael Caparo personal injury attorney located in the Austin area. Uh, If you need a personal injury attorney in Austin or anywhere else in Texas, I would highly recommend you talk to Michael Caparo. I've known him for over five years and I can tell you firsthand that he would really puts his clients needs before all else. So uh, please contact Michael Caparo at the Zinda law group for any and all of your uh, personal injury needs. Uh, Yes. Well, thank the uh, first official sponsor of the podcast, attorney Michael Caparo. Uh, thank you for your patronage. And with that, uh, should we talk about the big thing that happened in the Bundesliga today that we kind of knew was going to happen back in August of 2019, and then we thought maybe it wouldn't happen, but then it always happens like it has for the last eight years in a row?
1: Yeah. Um, for the uh, eighth year running, uh, Bayern Munich have secured the Bundesliga title with a, a victory, a one nothing victory today over Werder Bremen, who, unfortunately for Werder Bremen, brandman had been building up some steam you know in their fight to stave off relegation and then had to come in and, and play red hot Bayern, who needed this win to secure the title uh i think we always knew how this this uh this fight was going to go uh and and byron were able to to get a goal early in the second half and rest was history
0: yeah uh lewandowski obviously scored for Bayern. um Again, Dortmund, Leipzig, all those other teams had their chance, and it just seems that Dortmund, you know, in that game against um, Bayern a couple of weeks ago, that was the chance to kind of steal the momentum, but they just couldn't do it, and so Bayern just keeps marching on, and Bayern going to Bayern. Yeah.
1: So, so Donnie, we can, you know, finally stop talking about Bayern, which is the part of the Bundesliga season that we always look forward to, honestly. Actually, quick last um,
0: thing I do want to mention with Bayern is that Chris Richards, who... In a very very early episode of the podcast, maybe one of the first three, I would say, we mentioned that he was part of the FC Dallas uh, youth program, and they had a setup deal with Bayern Munich, and he went there as part of that setup deal. And he met, he was on the bench for the very first time. And now with them having the title one, I think he's going to get a lot of Bundesliga minutes, which is really exciting for a young U.S. center back to be getting some. Even if they're even if the season's already over, you're still playing Bundesliga competition. That's so awesome oh. for him. Great first development. I wish, I was really hoping Bayern, after they got a first goal, we got a second or a third so we could go in on in, in that game, but Before I think two. they were, you know, had to play it safe, and I, I get why they did that, but um, I did want to mention that really quick.
1: Uh, so, I just want to steer us still in the Bundesliga, but away from Bayern. What are some of the things or some of the reasons to still follow and watch the Bundesliga, You know, even though the title has already been secured?
0: Well, you still have a pretty tight race for that top four spot. If you look at Let's say, assume Dortmund has such a far lead on everyone that they're going to probably be in the top four. Between Leipzig in third and Leverkusen in fifth, you have five points there. So between Leipzig, Möchengladbach, and Leverkusen, one of those teams isn't going to make the top four. I think that's still something to work.
1: Something, something to keep in mind is uh, Möchengladbach uh, has played their Tuesday-Wednesday game today. So they sit two points above Leverkusen three points below Leipzig, but both Leipzig and Leverkusen still have a
0: game to play tomorrow. That is correct. Um, And then with those teams, you have a couple of young stars you're likely going to see leave their teams. for example. With Leipzig, (laughs) it's no surprise that it's... I mean, everyone knows this point. Tino Werner, who's been on fire most of the season, is going to be at Chelsea, and I think that's a really good signing for Chelsea. I'm surprised that he didn't go to Liverpool. Um, But... And then Leverkusen has their own young star who's had a great season. Kyle talent. Havertz, Havertz, who's getting interest from Premier League clubs, from Barcelona, you know the usual suspects there. So those are two guys who, really with Kyle oh, Havertz, and, and, he has an impending transfer. He's going to want to finish the season strong.
1: And let's not forget about Jaden Sancho up at Borussia Dortmund. You know, I know we skipped over them because they do have uh, a seven-point lead with a game in hand. On I mean nothing. That nothing we haven't slot.
0: seen them choke away before.
1: Yes, we we've, we've seen them literally, I think, choke away a seven point lead on Bayern Munich last season. Uh, but with this a game in to, hand,
0: if I remember. With from. a game in
1: hand, but this isn't this isn't to, to win the league, so there's significantly less pressure. Uh, so you got you know youngsters like Jaden Sancho. Uh, I I think Erling Holland will stay for at least another year or two because he just got there. But that's another youngster lighting it up who's definitely receiving attention from the Real Madrids and the bevy of Premier League teams. That weren't able to get him from uh, 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 Real RB Salzburg, uh, and then you also have you know as as hopefully Dortmund pull away in the top four uh, chase, maybe they can give Gio Reyna a few more starts. He's gotten some twenty minute sub appearances, hasn't really impressed from like a, a stats perspective, but hasn't looked like a chicken with his head cut off. It'd be fun to see him get a little more. And then you know me, I always have a soft spot for the losers, uh, so I'll be watching very closely this uh relegation battle uh we kind of mentioned before uh, and last or two weeks ago last episode paderborn they're done they are uh 11 points behind uh 15th which is where you have to be to not be in the playing game at all they're eight points behind that 16th place, which is the the relegation promotion playoff game, uh, who currently is held by Fortuna Dusseldorf. And then right behind them, 17th place, tied with Dusseldorf, is Werder Bremen, who we all have a soft spot for. What's interesting, obviously, Werder played today. So Dusseldorf and Mainz, who are the two teams right above them, um, and it's a three-point kind of gap between 17th and 15th. They both play tomorrow, but Werder played Bayern Munich today. Dusseldorf, I believe. Dusseldorf play Leipzig, and uh, Mainz play Dortmund. So those are those are two games that I'd be very shocked if these uh, bottom feeders won. So I think we're going to be in a, a three point kind of uh, lock jam moving into next week or the weekend's fixtures, which is something to watch.
0: One thing I'll add to that: you mentioned um, Jaden Sancho briefly. And we talked about Timo Werner making his move to Chelsea. We talked about the attention Kai Havertz is getting. It seems like a lot of people are expecting United and Dortmund to come to an agreement for Sancho to come to United. People, I've heard a lot of people are saying this is going to be like the Pogba transfer where it's going to happen. It's just it may take a while. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't really see what is attractive about Manchester United. Other than the fact that he's English... And maybe it's a club he supported as a kid. That's, I mean, as in every English child, in my opinion, at some point. Um, but something to keep an eye on. Obviously, something that I'll be obsessively searching Twitter on every five hours between now and uh, when the transfer window, cl- window closes if for the Premier League in August. So, so uh,
1: this, this kind of has shades of... Sergey Malinkovic Savage to Milan that I was following so closely. Yes. Uh and and nothing came of it. So it could either be Pogba esque or Malinkovic Savage esque. Uh, in which case I'm here for the ride. It's gonna be an emotional roller coaster for you, my friend. Uh but why don't you uh take us down that, that cleanly uh set up segue into the Premier League.
0: Oh baby. It's back tomorrow. We we talked about it in the intro. What better way To kick things off than with Jack Grealish and Aston Villa, the best looking man in the Premier League, versus surprise of the season, Sheffield United, who currently, as things stand, are in 7th place. Just, just 5 points outside of a Champions League spot, with a game in hand on Chelsea, who is in that 4th place position. Um, I am excited for the Premier League to be back. I wasn't because it meant Liverpool winning the title, but I think there's almost been a beauty of us knowing Liverpool's won the title since December because I've had six months to come to terms with this. (laughs) I had the three months when the season was going on, January, February, March, and then I got an extra three months. So it's like if any good has come out of this horrible, horrible pandemic, it's that God and Jesus have allowed me the time I needed to mentally process what's about to happen. Um. One
1: thing I want to throw out there for the the first game, uh, I'm I'm equally excited to watch Jack Realish hike up those shorts and and work those uh, those just beautiful thighs and gorgeous locks around the uh, the park. Uh, one thing to to keep in mind is Villa are 19th out of 20th on the table. Yeah. You know they haven't played great at times they've they've had stretches where they've been really fun to watch but that's really been they've had stretches where they give grillish the ball a lot and he's able to avoid fouls he's like the most fouled player in the league this season by far i think it's like by far
0: yeah it's Uh, almost as far as how he is the best look good player in the league
1: yeah seriously uh it's actually about the same as uh liverpool's lead on the rest of the league too uh but one thing that i think is you know these teams are going to be rusty and a lot of times, I think we've been seeing lately teams reverting to hero ball and, and relying on an individual talent to try to get them to score, and that's kind of not been the recipe for success. I think Grillish is good enough that against a team you know like Sheffield, who doesn't have all-star, world-beating defensive talent, we could see him unlock some some magic. And and I'm just I'm just waiting for a curler from outside the box, you know.
0: Oh. And then, obviously, the next game that kicks things off is this, it's a Man City-Arsenal game. And I guess this will make me go, – I'm going to go into that. So, Liverpool's won the league. Man City's going to finish second. Whether they actually get to play in the Champions League next year, I think what's going to happen is they're going to come to a deal where their two-year ban is – they're going to have a plea deal where it's just going to be one year, and then the fifth-place Premier League team gets to go to the Champions League, which could be really funny and mean to me, or really good if Man City finishes <laughs> at least finish fifth. It's going to
1: be really funny. It's really funny when, you know, four teams go to uh, Champions League from the Premier League. One's obviously Liverpool, uh, and then Chelsea get a spot, and then the two others are Leicester and Sheffield or Wolverhampton.
0: <laughs> so let me get into that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say Leicester City are going to finish in third.
1: I hope so. I, 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 want, I want them to be able to have, you know, a, a really good, strong showing to show that like their their title season wasn't a pure fluke, you know. Yeah. Obviously, this doesn't even come close to compare, and they're thirty points behind uh, the current, you know, the Liverpool who are going to win the title. But that being said, even though they've played an extra game over Man City, they're currently only four points behind them for second. So I'm 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 just I want to see them close it strong, and I, I do want to see them hold on to a Champions League spot.
0: I think they will finish in that third spot, so I'm not even going to dive into them really in this analysis. So between Chelsea and fourth, ignoring games in hand because that'll play in a role, but just just to really have this analysis, between Chelsea and fourth and Burnley in tenth, there is a, not, only a nine-point difference. Now, right off the gate, I'm gonna tell you that Burnley is not gonna crawl their way into the championship. I love Burnley. <laughs> I know you do, but it's, it, dude, but no, one, may, no may one's this, gonna but, watch the turf more on a European I, night.
1: God, I will. You know, you know what they could do? They
0: could crawl their way into a Europa League spot. Yes. Especially if Arsenal and Tottenham shit the bed, which so they. So th- this is my next point. I oh, sorry. Arsenal at 40 and Tottenham at 41 with Chelsea at 48. I don't think that they either of them are gonna make that fourth spot. I really don't. I really think this is between Chelsea, Man United, Wolves and Sheffield. I, I, I don't think Tottenham or Arsenal are going to crawl their way back into it. I really don't. I think that the fourth place Champions League spot, which could end up being a fifth, the fifth place spot, we don't know how that's going to end, but for that fourth place spot, I think it's between those four teams. So my friends
1: who, like me, uh, love the losers and love the, the teams, the underdogs, uh, Sheffield in seventh. Game in hand, Game in hand uh, are currently uh, five points behind Chelsea and uh, they're currently two points behind or behind United. Now that's your, your bit of your dose of optimism. Here's your, your slap of reality. I think uh, Donnie, you were telling me seven of Sheffield's 10 remaining matches are against the top half of the table.
0: Yeah. But one of those is Burnley. So we can say six out of (laughs) 10.
1: But is it at Burnley? Is it at Turf Moor? Because that's that's a monster of its own.
0: I don't know. But uh, more alarming for Sheffield is that they have to play <laughs> United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Wolves, Chelsea, Leicester City.
1: Yeah, that's that's rough. But here's 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 a, a, a cautionary, reactive dose of optimism. That means that if 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 Sheffield take points in some of those games, they're taking points directly away from their Europa and Champions League qualifying opponents. That is true. That being said, they're not Sheffield. They do not have the schedule to uh, to finish for Champions League. But I think they, similar to Burnley, they've got they have a really good shot at, at Europa League. And I just I would love to see them. Right now, they sit ahead of both Tottenham and Arsenal. I would love to see them finish that way.
0: Now, another team that's kind of like that underdog team is Wolves, and really their tough matches to finish the season are Sheffield chelsea and arsenal so they have a pretty favorable stretch going in united which i'm about to talk about this in a second has tottenham on friday actually i'm just gonna no i'll come back to that um also have sheffield and then they finish the season with Leicester. now united this season has been really good against the good teams and really bad so it's not really the Sheffield or the Leicester that really concerned me. It's when we have to play fucking Burnmouth and we lose to them. Now Chelsea kind of have a tough schedule too because they play Man City, Leicester, Chelsea, Liverpool. No, wait, they are Chelsea, Man City, Leicester, Sheffield, Liverpool, and Wolves. <laughs> so they play all three teams ahead of them, and two of the teams like almost like right on their heels. So and they're
1: they're a young squad too, and I think that that can't a young be forgotten manager. right now.
0: Yeah. So United and Wolves, scheduling-wise, have a big advantage going into the stretch. So take all that for and, and, what it's worth. And, a... and
1: we, sorry, we, we didn't really talk too much about them. Uh, and we've been talking about how you know, kind of be fun if they bottle it. I mean, not even bottle it because they're in eighth right now. They're they're on the outside looking in. But we can't forget Tottenham do have a supremely talented squad. Yep. They were getting hit hard by injuries. That shit's gone. Like they're healthy now. And uh, oh, by the way, they have Jose Mourinho as their manager, who, I mean, it's what I'm really excited about for Tottenham is we're about to see like them string together some impressive uh, runs of games, or we're going to watch a miraculous fireworks show that catches the building and everything burns down in like a, a really public way with Jose Mourinho.
0: Now that leads us into Friday, United versus Tottenham. I'm pumped. Jose Mourinho versus one of his old clubs. You got Bruno Fernandez, who was on a tear to finish the season. Pogba's back. Dele Ali will not Elfie. be playing for Tottenham <laughs> because he yeah, was suspended, suspended for a Snapchat post. Let's see. Uh, where he appeared Dele. to mock an Asian man and joke about the coronavirus outbreak. So yeah. he's been suspended. But most importantly, and I think... Rashford back. And that's what I want to talk about. Marcus Rashford. Uh, I'm just going to drop in segment for my hot guy of the week. My hot guy of the week is Marcus Rashford. He hasn't played a game. He hasn't played a minute of soccer in three months. But what has he done? He's raised $20 million to help hungry kids. He's fed 3 million kids in the United Kingdom. And after starting a campaign yesterday, or two days ago, today... He had the UK's parliament reverse do a total 180. They were going to cancel these voucher programs for um, underprivileged kids in poverty who need those school meals. They were going to cancel voucher programs. They couldn't get those meals in the summers and he made them do a complete 180 with his just such a vocal support. He said he wrote a very emotional letter, which I read it out loud to myself and I had me blubbering. It just, just the guy has been using his platform to do so much good, especially with feeding um, feeding kids in the United Kingdom. What he, I mean, he's getting applauded by, I think, universally across the board, except by, like, a couple of sociopaths who apparently want kids to go hungry. That's on you. Um, it's
1: not on me. It's on them.
0: No, not on you. Yeah, that's on them. But just what he's been doing... You know, when you're not having that success on the field, it makes you really proud when your guys at the team you support are using their platform and using their um, using their off-the-field abilities to make the world a better place. And I think what he's doing is just awesome. And there's yeah. no chance in hell he's not scoring a goal on Friday. I am hammering a Marcus Rashford goal. Dude, the entire nation loves him right now. He's fucking scoring so, a goal.
1: The one thing to, to also just keep in mind for the other side, Harry Kane's back. That is true. And uh, Harry Kane, while well, he may be rusty himself, is going to be going up against the back line. That's probably a little rusty as well.
0: Oh, very rusty.
1: And and I, I'm i just. I'm worried because it's Jose Mourinho, so, you know, he may shut everything down and we make it a really boring fucking game. But the players on the pitch have the ability to make for some really
0: exciting stuff. And. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the game. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I will guarantee you Marcus Rashford will score a goal.
1: The Donnie Ma's guarantee. That of is the a week. Donnie
0: Ma's guarantee that he is scoring a goal. Uh, I'm just excited for the Premier League being back in general. It's a good time now. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll jump in real quick with my hot guy of the week. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And, and it's it's something pretty similar along the, the lines of what, 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 you know, taking into account platform. But this guy also did play. Uh, I want to draw our attention to Schalke, who have been struggling mightily uh, even before the the restart. But over the weekend, they had a a pretty big game against Leverkusen, and they were able to to get a 1-1 draw, which were some valuable points for a team that was just really slumping. And I don't know if you guys were able to watch the game, but uh, our, our U.S. men's national team player, Weston McKinney, was all over the fucking field. Uh, he was making great challenges, putting in good balls, helping move the attack. Had just an incredible shift. No goals, no assists, nothing like that, but a really solid midfield performance. And he's also been you know, using his platform to, to be very vocal about the injustices going on in the States with the, the, you know, the police brutality killings of, of George Floyd and, and of others as well. Uh, and He kind of followed that up by orchestrating and putting together a, a, a video with a lot of athletes, both U.S. and non-U.S., the, through the soccer world, kind of st- saying enough is enough and, and we need to kind of write this and, and address this. And I thought it was a really cool way for him to follow up you know, what, what he did with the, the George Ford armband by kind of taking that to a, another social platform.
0: And, uh, well, you know what, what Weston McKinney's doing, what Marcus Ross was doing, they're using their platform to do incredible things. I don't look down upon athletes who don't use their platform for any reason, and they just live their lives. That's their choice. I don't look down upon you at all. I don't think you're any. I don't think you're a bad person if you just stand. If you just do your thing, but I applaud those who do.
2: And it's just it's not, not
1: gonna you know by not using your platform is not gonna give you a leg up on Hawkeye the weak
0: contestants. You know? Yeah, that's true. No? Um, just just being honest. So switching gears a little bit to something to some more, I guess. Little bit more lighthearted topics
1: pointless bullshit.
0: huh pointless bullshit. yeah pointless bullshit um this is a story <laughs> this is a headline coming from former Colombian international and Newcastle United <laughs> soccer player Tino Asparilla and he talked about a hat trick that he scored in a 1996 World Cup qualifier for Colombia and he said I remember that I brought a girl with me into the Columbia camp, and, you know, in my room, there's an image with the Twelve Apostles, and when I make love, they applaud me. And after he made love to her, he then scored a hat trick. And just the fact that he has the Twelve Apostles applauding him after sex is just... I'm just saying, him him and Kyle Walker hang out in the same circles. Oh, for
1: sure, sure for sure. Um, they have a lot of leather in their wardrobe. A lot. You know, that's, I just, I don't... How many times, though, has did he, quote-unquote, make love and then not score goals, you know, afterwards? Like, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm grasping at straws to, to think about anything other than the fact that this guy has, like, a religious a photo that he likes to think about. Probably before, during, and after he copulates, I'm just I'm uncomfortable. I don't like how you why you do these things to me, Donnie.
0: <laughs> Says the man who, when I sent him the link to the story, <laughs> replied me in all caps: "Content."
1: I mean, it is content. It's just content that I know you are going to enjoy discussing a lot more than I will.
0: Hey, listen, man. I'm just trying to keep, I'm just trying to pay the bills around here. <laughs> Not with this podcast. <laughs> uh new sponsor yeah. has gone to my head
1: already <laughs> <laughs> um so i know we were kind of uh talking about doing some other pointless bullshit uh in lieu of real content and something that we were thinking about and and donnie this was kind of your brainchild so i guess i'll open it up to you but we have a little bit of a not really a recurring segment but something that we we put together this week
0: yeah we uh we talked about putting together an a like a team of 11 players that we just loved. They, they don't have to be the best player. They're just a couple of rules. One, you just got to love them. You got to love that player for whatever reason. You know, probably a lot of these guys we grew up with watching in some capacity. And the players couldn't play for me. None of the players could play for Man U. For Eric, none of the players could play for AC Milan. And for both of us, none of the players could play for the U.S. men's national team. But, you know, we all have these players who don't play for our team that we kind of love for whatever random weird reason. And, you know, Eric and I, like, we talk about a couple of players that we really love who have no connections to Manu or Milan or the U.S. national team. So we thought it would be fun to kind of put together a best 11. And how do you want to present this?
1: Yeah, I think we'd go, obviously, position by position trading off. Okay. I figure, why don't we start with the goalkeeper and then work our way up the field?
0: That makes sense. Um,
1: so I think first was we should share what formation we each picked. Uh, I went with a 442 um I was starting with a base 443 and not four-four-three-three, and then it's because really cool there how you play-
0: have to get an extra player in there.
1: <laughs> because there are certain players that I wanted to have I had to adjust my form my formation a little bit uh, to drop a striker and add a midfielder
0: That makes sense I went with a 4213 Um, I think that just shows my affinity for attacking players, (laughs) but, um, yeah.
1: And before we get into this, just kind of the criteria that I was really using, because like, obviously you guys who have been listening to this podcast know we put some time, but not a lot of time into these things. Um, I was really looking at players that stood out to me generally during world cup cycles, because those are the guys that I think I fall in love with the easiest, are the ones that impress during during a World Cup. And, and then kind of some of them I only, only see or watch during World Cups. Others I'll, I'll follow beyond that. Uh, you're going to get a lot of recency bias in these. Uh, you're going to hear names that a lot of which are still playing or were playing very recently.
0: Um, four of my guys have won the World Cup. But on the other end, one of my guys is objectively a terrible soccer player.
1: (laughs) It's Andy Carroll. You put Andy Carroll in your (laughs) fucking lineup, didn't you?
0: (laughs) In this lineup, Andy Carroll would score, would be a a goal a game player. In this lineup. All right.
1: All right. Do you want to kick us off with your goalkeeper?
0: I just feel like for guys our age, there's one of two guys that goes here. And I picked one of those two guys. I picked. John Luigi Buffon. Okay.
1: I was I, I had a hard time picking um, you know, a lifelong event player, you know, Juventus player. I guess I, I couldn't do it. I was I was also thinking about putting Iker Casillas on there. That was that's was the, the other, other guy, guy I was thinking. referring to. I actually ended up not going that route though. Because there were for too long of his you know Spain career, I was pulling for him to lose because Spain were at the top. Uh um, so I did. I did pick a another Real Madrid goalie, somebody that you and I have talked about oh. not getting nearly enough respect. He's a Concacaf US rival, the the only one I could put on here. But I've always respected and been a fan of Kaylin Abbas. and and that, so like I, I I like watching him play. He's a solid solid keeper um, who just gets screwed over by manager preference, wanting their their guy in, in the, the, between the posts, and. I'm I've always liked watching him play, and, and when Costa Rica has done well, it's not – in World Cups, it's not like when Mexico does okay and it pisses me off. I'm, I'm, I'm generally happy to see them kind of advancing their game and, and bring a little more respect to the area. Uh, and, and all those times it's really been because Navas has been the stalwart between the posts.
0: Yeah. Um, I get why you couldn't pick Buffon being like a U.A.-based almost lifer. I picked him because – of not just his talent and skill, his class, his charisma, yeah. like his his professionalism, the fact that Juventus got relegated, like if Man City got relegated, not a single player of that starting eleven stays. Not a, and Pep is gone too. Yeah. And yeah. so the fact that he stayed with them and just he's just he's just a classy guy who seems to be beloved by so many of his Italian teammates who play for rival clubs, and I think that's what really oh. speaks. Volumes. If,
1: if you if you also take my World Cup kind of way looking at things if you think of world cup in italy you if you're our age or, or even younger and a little older you immediately, immediately imagine and see uh buffon belting that italian national anthem with so much pride and passion so it n- no way is that close to a wrong pick um you want to move up to left back
0: yes for me there was only I,
1: one I, I i would be shocked if we don't have the same pick here
0: is it marcelo um, Yes, yes, it's Marcelo. It, it's Marcelo. I. He is, his smile's infectious, the way he plays the game, you're just bombing as an attacking player. Oh, by the way, we haven't really talked about La Liga. I'll just throw it in here. Uh, La Liga, oh, yeah. La Liga came back. It's a two-horse race between <laughs> Barcelona and Real Madrid. Barcelona scored, surprise, surprise, but soccer isn't back until Marcelo scores. Not only did Marcelo score, but he took a knee and he raised the right fist. And, and just, he's fucking Marcelo. How can you not love this guy?
1: I mean, that, exactly. Marcelo is, is, you know, this is probably the the one guy on here who I, I wasn't introduced to him via World Cup. You know, uh, one of two actually, one of two guys I wasn't really introduced via World Cup. Um, but I mean, he's also been starting fullback for Brazil for forever, and he's just infectious got talk about a guy whose teammates just always love him.
0: Oh my and God. Every, yeah. Ronaldo tried to get him to come to Juventus. With <laughs> Ronaldo.
1: <laughs> and he said, no, <laughs> it's yeah. incredible.
0: I know that was, um, that so. was the biggest shock.
1: Who's your, uh, so who's your first uh, center back?
0: If you have ever listened to this podcast, you knew there was no way in hell that John Terry, Terry wasn't making it. <laughs> you know, I always thought John Terry was a good defender. I mean, I kind of had like a hatred of him growing up because he played for Chelsea. But then I always had that wonderful image of him missing the cha- that kick in the in the two thousand eight Champions League final, the PK, it him slipping and it hitting the post. But it's really I've come to love John Terry when it came out that he was the man <laughs> with teammates' wives, and as he's retired and become a coach, I've book. Be- and by the way, I just wanted to say we didn't record yesterday. I wish we had because. Yesterday was John Terry and his wife's anniversary, and I just wanted to wish them a happy anniversary from the bottom of my heart. But I love John Terry, man. Uh, he was part of that England golden generation that just catastrophically failed. And as much as that England generation kind of caused me some pain as, like, a, England being, like, my second national team, I also kind of love that they always failed in a, in a weird, sick, self-deprecating way. <laughs> he was one of the poster boys of that team. Um, he was also a Manu fan as a child, and this <laughs> goes back to my earlier statement that all English <laughs> children supported Manu. <laughs> so there's just a lot to unpack.
1: I, I wish, I hope everybody in, in their life can platonically love someone they have never met the way you love John Terry. <laughs> it's different from the way you love somebody else who's probably on this list, uh, Wesley Schneider, uh, for you. But
0: Don't assume he's on my list, but Wesley Schneider was the first name on the list.
1: (laughs) You you love Wesley, I think, purely for his talents and abilities. Well, I don't know, some recent quotes have came
0: out that have really made me a fan. (laughs) The
1: the way you love uh, John Kerry transcends sport, and it's incredible to watch, Donnie. That's going to be your second book, and I cannot wait to read that one.
0: (laughs) JT, Body Count. (laughs)
1: I will wait till we read that one so my my first uh, center back I I went with is uh, another guy who I mean most people following La Liga and and Atletico de Madrid would definitely know this guy but those who don't follow the leagues too closely would have seen him in countless World Cups manning the uh, Uruguay back line he's somebody who honestly if Milan hadn't hit financial trouble you know with the Financial habits and bank account similar to like a, a crack whore. Uh, I think he would have been a Milan player. Just the way he plays, the way the way he centers that back line, his positioning, his uh, time, you know anticipation and intervention. Just he's a masterclass at classic defense, and I could not have a favorite eleven with that did not have him on my back line. Most most likely he's the guy I have sported the captain's armband for me.
0: That's a great pick. And I, I honestly, you know, I, I knew, I knew when I was kind of like thinking about players, he's one that I knew was going to be on your list. Um, my next center back is a guy you wouldn't have been able to pick, but I could. And again, very similar to Buffon. This is a guy who embodies class professionalism talent. He's a guy who you would want on your team who, Everyone has always loved playing for him, and he's everywhere he's been. He's been a leader, and it's Thiago Silva.
1: I love that. I love him so much.
0: Like you just, I'm surprised (sighs) that I had two Brazilians on my. Actually, I have other Brazilians. There was a time where I had an entire backline of Brazilians. So here's
1: the problem for me. I was looking, I was looking for like Brazilian players to put on my list, and with the exception of like Marcelo. Really, all the other Brazilians that I love so much all played in Milan.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, I,
1: I think you I think Thiago Silva is a fantastic pick. I mean, uh, incredible combination of skill, athleticism, and uh, class. Just, yeah.
0: nobody has a, nobody has a bad word to say about him.
1: I would say that that Brazil was doing fine in the World Cup, and then it was the game that Thiago Silva had to miss that they lost seven-one.
0: That was oof. And that was David Luiz's
1: uh, one stint as a Brazil captain.
0: Oof. <laughs> <David> Luiz, <laughs> what an interesting <laughs> career he's had. So Yeah, that's
1: that's that's a whole nother story. That that's the book I'm writing, by the way. What a long, strange, weird uh, weird ride it's been. Um, but moving on to our right back, this was the one I struggled with the most. Me too. Um,
0: Me too.
1: I really struggle with it, and this is going to be probably my biggest recency bias. Uh, This was a player that I really, really enjoyed watching in the 2018 World Cup, as he was not instrumental by any means, but was active in his team's run to the final, in which they ultimately lost to the French national team. Uh, I really enjoyed watching Shimei Versalko, the right back for Croatia, overlapping runs, but still hustling and getting back on defense. It's just a fun guy to watch and, and I'm I'm a fan. I'm also not married to this pick. Like this is one that if you when you bring somebody up, I may go, oh, yep, that that's the one.
0: So this was a hard one for me too. But ultimately I went with this person, and it's like people don't see him as the right back, but he started out as a right back. Now he's a suave, handsome, short-haired individual. But not at the beginning. At the beginning, he had this long, crazy hair. He's he's a guy who's impressed in World Cups. Uh, when he won the World Cup, he played as a right back because Puyol and PK were the center backs. But young Sergio <laughs> Ramos hit differently. I'm sorry, <laughs> the virginity broker himself. So
1: I I thought I also I, I was like, could I fit Sergio Ramos in here? But. Also, I skipped one of my center backs and went straight to, to oh, right back. Did. So I'm gonna I'm gonna work my way back here. Um, but I, I thought about uh, Sergio Ramos, but he, he just he's, he he embraced too heavily the dark arts, and and I I can't I I can't accept that. I can't love that.
0: What I'm talking, but see, I'm very specific here. On my list, it says young, <laughs> long-haired Sergio Ramos. It's a The hair, it was a different person back then. I'm talking about when he was a young buck, just the fucking flow of Thor, <laughs> just bombing on the right side for Sevilla, and then for Real Madrid, played. Remember, so young at Real Madrid he was signed, he played with Zinedine Zidane. Did, young Sergio Ramos was just like, I love that guy. The way he played, the aggression, the passion, the fucking hair. I don't know what it is about him that I love, but like from the 2008 eight Euro, I remember just thinking like, this guy is fucking awesome. There's just something about him. And I, I still, I still, Sergio Ramos is still a player that I don't dislike by any means, whose game I appreciate. I mean, he is aggressive. He doesn't embrace his dark hearts. But when he had that, when he was that fullback with that long hair, man, I don't know. I, I loved him. Yeah, I really loved.
1: So that's, I, 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 that's fair. I, I, yeah, and, and like I'm not, I'm never going to begrudge somebody for for picking a player like that, but that's just why he was a non-starter for me. Uh, to backtrack and, and fill my empty center back spot, um, this was someone who's who's playing right now and really I think hitting the peak of his of his uh, abilities. Uh, a lot of Premier League teams have been going after him, especially uh, like Pep, who always wants a center back, has been going after this guy for the last think, year or two. Uh, I'm talking about Koulibaly, who applies his trade as center back for uh, Napoli and, and is uh, was on the Senegalese uh, World Cup squad and played, you know, he's, he's just a well-rounded, uh, physically impressive, but technically gifted center back who I'm just excited to watch, you know, if he does make the move from Napoli over uh, to the Premier League, you know, I hope he goes to a team that I can be happy watching him play for, uh, but he's so good that if he does make that move, he's probably going to one of the top teams.
0: Yeah. All right. Uh, do you want to intro, intro your first midfielder?
1: Yeah. So um, you know, I I'm going to take this. Uh, I did a four four two, right? So I kind of got two more attacking wing based midfielders and then two more central, uh, minded midfielders. So I'm going to start us in the center. And this is somebody who you and I have salivated over for, since the podcast began. Uh, you know, he, I believe his insertion into the starting lineup in the 2014 world cup is the reason why Germany was able to, to make that run. They were struggling the first two matches and, uh, it wasn't until, uh, they, Yuri love put in Tony Cruz that they really hit their stride right and, and connected. And uh, he is one of two Germans I have on my lineup, in, in my my favorite lineup. Uh, but I just think, you know, Tony Cruz, that metronome, who's able to set the pace, distribute the ball, has incredible vision, and is never out of place.
0: I think it's a great pick. And someone who, uh, on a similar, who played with him in that midfield, and a fullback, of course, and then and, and just a just guy you know really maybe one of the first fullbacks who was re, who has really bar a trend of great fullbacks being able to like being like oh man this guy's so good I want him in the middle of the field because he knew everything
1: but they're up the field yep Philip long yeah I mean
0: you, you gotta love Philip long yeah, Lam. yeah. The,
1: you for me for me I could have picked one of four German midfielders, honestly I I, I went Tony Cruz I had I had a, a I left out my boy Bastian Schweinsteiger who you weren't allowed to pick no, because I would like, have it's picked just him like if I could. Six month stint with United. Um I I and then, you know, I also I know you you love this guy. Michael Bollock was a, oh, was a guy. Michael
0: Bollock was written down on my list and then at the last second I changed it to Philip Long. And then
1: and, 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 and then Lomb. So you got Cruz, Long, Bollock and, and Schweinsteiger. I think there's there's a permutation of of my roster where I almost had Lom at right back in in my all uh, my all roster. Like I had him, I deleted him, and I put for Shaco just because I don't know, I didn't want to go too German. That just that just feels wrong. No, I feel you. Who uh, who you have partnered with Lom?
0: Partnered with Lom is a guy who I have respected so much. He was so loyal to one club in Italy. Um, just an absolute warrior of a player. I think a guy who has a lot of respect. I mean, just had so many opportunities to go to different clubs, and I was really torn between him and his teammate, who has all of the same qualities <laughs> and credibility. But the, my attack was just too stacked. Like, I just had to go with my attackers. But Daniela De Rossi, man. Yeah. I mean, the, what a perfect guy to pair with a, the silky pure low. You, you you pair the silk with the steel of De Rossi. The guy who will get, give you that yellow card challenge you need – who could still make a pass, and if he needs to hit a belter for you, he can scream one. And
1: he's also the guy that if, you know, red cards or injuries came into play around the pitch, you could slide him back into a center back position, or you could move him around the pitch mid game, which occasionally would happen. You know, his versatility, while he was never a goal scorer and never be a goal scorer, he was able to plug holes wherever needed real time. Uh, I mean, I think... Yeah, I, I, I actually didn't include a single Italian on this list just because similar to how England was is your kind of secondary, you know, European-based uh, national team you pull for, mine is Italy. Yeah. And and I just, you know, I, it would have been too easy to just plug this with, you know, Antonio Di Natale, uh, Francesco Totti, Luca Toni, right? I could have done that whole, that whole thing. But this is, so I, I, once again, you know, my guy that I have here, I, I originally had De Rossi in here, but I was like, fuck it, let's go all out attacking. So, my other like central ish midfield role, I've got Jun the fucking cube,
0: you double eagle. You love that guy.
1: I I love him so much. He's so much fun to watch. I am still so disappointed in his move to Liverpool just because we all knew it was him, you know, getting tight, getting it eventually, getting the title and, and getting the Champions League trophy and everything. But giving up, you know, his guarantee of a starting spot and he's taken a back seat, which has just been a shame. I think us as as soccer fans have been robbed of a real joy to watch. And someone who plays with fire.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's ripped. He's shredded. Yeah, dude, the guy has like his thighs are fucking oh, like the redwood California tree trunks. I mean just he's
1: He's wider than he is He's tall but it's all muscle. It's 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 a it's, it's a miraculous feat of
0: man. He's the definition of a fucking unit. <laughs> um so the the kind of bridge between my defense and my attack. I actually watched the video of his pass and it just he literally shoves a fucking Spanish guy off of him and then like falls to the ground while laying apart I just whatever. it's the greatest pass I've ever seen. It's Wesley Schneider. <laughs> I mean, how is Wesley Schneider not gonna be his team?
1: So when 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 real quick, when when Donnie came to me with this idea about a week ago I think, uh, the, wanted to prep for this segment for, for this episode, I knew immediately, oh, Donnie is looking for an excuse to talk more about Wesley Schneider.
0: And I'm actually going to hit you with some advanced statistics now. <laughs> then I'm going to get into some recent Wesley Schneider quotes, which really made me tingle in all the right places. Or the wrong places, depending on your point of view. Um, so Wesley Schneider and Diego Forlan, who robbed him of the aforementioned golden ball that he should have won. One of two trophies he was robbed of. I'm not, now. I'm not, what I, I want to be clear. I'm not saying Diego Forlan didn't deserve it. I'm just saying that I Wesley Schneider deserved it a little bit more.
1: Also, you know, it wasn't Diego Forlan who took that from him, right? It was Diego Forlan didn't rob him of anything. It was the committee that decides.
0: Yeah, the corrupt FIFA committee. What a surprise that they got it fucking wrong. The
1: same, the same people that gave Yermo, Yermo, or Memo Ochoa uh, the Golden Gloves over Tim Howard.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. They had. They had the exact same stat lines in the World Cup. Seven games each, five goals
1: each. And we're talking 2010 World Cup 2010 World for Cup. those who are not aware.
0: One assist each. But all of Wesley Schneider's, um, none of Wesley Schneider's goals came from penalty spot. Diego Furlong got one from the penalty spot, number one. Number two... Wesley Schneider played less minutes than Diego Faraón. Number three, one of Diego Faraón's goals came in the fucking third fourth place match. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here with that. Number four, who did Uruguay play in the quarterfinals? Ghana. Where he where Diego Faraón scored one goal, and it took a Luis Suarez handball. Now his <laughs> <That was laughs> family? And they still had to go to a penalty shootout. Who did Wesley Schneider beat in the quarterfinals? Brazil, where Wesley Schneider scored both goals for the Netherlands. Then, then, in the semifinals, guess what? Wesley Schneider and Diego Forlan go head-to-head. And who wins 3-2? The Netherlands, and a.k.a. Wesley Schneider. who They both scored in that game, for the record. I'll give them there. I think based on a combination of no penalty goal, strength of schedule, the head-to-head matchup victory... Just the, sh- the ridicule that should be put on the third, fourth place match. And the fact that if, Ar- if Arjen Robbins scores that goal, Wesley Schneider wins the gold- golden ball.
1: He wins the Ballon d'Or maybe.
0: He- yeah. And that's yeah. now segueing me to the Ballon d'Or. So that was that. You're week. welcome. That was that. Who does Inter Milan have to beat head-to-head to win the Champions League that year? Ah, yes. Messi and his cronies. And they do. And who's a pivotal part of that Inter Milan team? Wesley Schneider. And apparently, according to Wesley Schneider, people still, people who aren't me, because I've never seen him, but crazy people <laughs> like me come up to him and say, he should have won the Ballon d'Or in 2010. And he says, he doesn't care. He's ha- he'd have rather won the Champions League. No, Wesley Schneider, fuck you. You should care, because I care this much.
1: Dude, I think he does care. I think he's just trying to like, rationalize it now that he can't do anything about it. He definitely
0: cares. Oh, absolutely. How could you not fucking care? He deserved it. Last point I'm going to make is that Wesley Snyder said that if he had tried harder, <laughs> he could have been as good as Messi and Ronaldo. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, Wesley Schneider was absolutely going to the scene. This is a guy who I wanted to be transferred to Man U every summer between 2008 and 2012. <laughs> For four years, I wanted this man and I never got him. I love him. I think 2010, he had one of the best years a midfielder has ever had personally in terms of what he did, and he got very little individual recognition from it. I mean, everybody recognizes it, but he didn't get the awards he deserved. And, okay, I'm good.
1: So, uh, I think maybe I'll take the next uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll go to my next player to give yes. you some time to I'm gonna, decompress. I'm going to go take
0: my heart pills now.
1: So, I'm, I'm, moving, I'm moving this up um, now more to my – like attacking wings and eh, midfield forward kind of like amalgamation. And uh, speaking of somebody who every summer you hoped would would make a move over to United, this was a guy that there were never anything more than small, small rumors, if that. But I just, ever since watching him break through uh, the World Cup stage with Colombia, I was always just hoped and hoped that James Rodriguez could make his way over to Milan. Uh, hasn't happened. Definitely isn't gonna happen now that we're a shit show. But this is a guy that's just always been fun to watch, especially when he wears the Columbia jersey. I mean, you know, the way everything flows through him from an attacking sense, whether it's a build-up play or a, a break on, you know, on the counter. Uh, his speed, his ability on the ball, and his composure to take the shots. He's just someone who I, I just I love watching the kids The kid is fun
0: why don't you give your next um winger to then we can then i'll I'll give my first forward
1: okay yeah the uh so on on the other side uh this is somebody who breaks my heart he he was playing incredibly he was in line to be on that 2014 germany uh world cup squad um i i just makes me sad thinking that he doesn't get a world cup medal Uh, Marco Royce. I mean, this is a guy who... That's your boy. That's my boy. This is somebody who, just watching him, is so much fun to watch. He's electric. He's so fast. He's got great vision. He's composed on the ball. He's clinical in his finish. The problem is he's made of paper. Like, this kid cannot stay healthy. And it's cost him so many games, you know, at the club level. It's cost him a spot on a World Cup winning team. And, you know, he definitely... I think he would have been in line to, to get some serious playing time on that roster, but even if he even if he would have been on the bench, you know, he they would have won that World Cup still with him. And it just uh, I'm 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 gutted. I'm gutted for Marco Royce, but he's just so much fun to watch. And the fact that he's still at Dortmund, he's a guy that I can always pull for, you know, he's not a sellout. And I respect the shit out of that.
0: No. The dude is incredibly loyal. And I think I knew I, I knew Royce was going to be in there in some capacity. He's like one of the other ones that I was pretty confident you'd pick, and I think that's a great selection. Um, so moving to my three attackers, uh, I'm gonna get so I'm so it's like a these guys are interchangeable-ish, but it's one guy is really in the center and guy on his right and his left. I'll go with the guy on his right, Brazilian Ronaldo, aka Fat yeah, I'm, Ronaldo.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm- I knew this was coming who i was not eligible to pick You're, for my roster
0: in his, yeah. heft, in his he heftier done, days he played for he donned
1: the 99 <laughs>
0: um i mean this is like one of the first people who i ever watched i mean as a little kid i remember i was 9 years old during the o2 world cup and he just i mean lit it up i mean just
1: clearly better than everybody else on the field
0: he's so good he, he could score anyway. He was strong. He had a powerful shot. He could head the ball. I mean... He was quick. He was quick. He was just... I mean, they call him El Finam. That's exactly... He was phenomenal. Watching him play. Seeing someone who could do all those things. I mean, winning two World Cups. The career he had. And then the fact... Somehow I love him even more because of the up during his career. Even though it was a thyroid problem. I don't know. I just... I've always loved him. I've always said, if you told if people think that he's the greatest soccer player of all time, I don't think that's a wrong opinion at all.
1: Also, how has the Brazilian national team done since he left the stage?
0: Hot garbage. Like not even. Garbage. I mean, there was a
1: there was a World Cup where Hulk was their starting striker.
0: Whereas when he was there, um, let's see, what do we got? Ninety four, they won. Thank you very much. Ninety eight, um, lost in the final. But he was, obviously, he was, like, probably drugged. There's a whole conspiracy about, like, him being drugged. But made it to the final. And then 2002 won the final. So three straight finals and 203 World Cup wins with him. Yeah. So he accounts for 40% of, I mean, not him. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those were great teams around him, too. But he won. He also won 40% of Brazil's five World Cups. Yeah. So, yeah, just a phenomenal player. Uh what can I say about him the guys are just so good and then it, it was funny that it was kind of funny that he got kind of chunky yeah we don't, so we, don't, who do we, you don't have... we don't shame the thick boys on this pod
1: who do you have on the other side of your focal point
0: oh on the left yeah on the left we have a guy who's has no problem being pushed out to the left to do the dirty work for better players who can supply who can attack, who is treated so shamefully by his own country and you know it's Kareem Benzema on the left <laughs> Dude, this is I. I think this attack is incredible. You have Benzema, <laughs> Dude, who has you know always been, had been happy to push himself to the left for a guy like Ronaldo to take to take more of a center role. Who can hold up the ball? Who can score? Who's strong? Who's just his entire skill set? I think is so underrated. I think it's criminal that we don't get to see him with that stacked well, frame it's, squad. <laughs> Almost well, it's like criminal. Criminal, it's, it's, it's criminal that keeps him out of it. Blackmailing Valbuena. But I love Benzema. I still haven't watched that documentary. I need to. But I love Korean Benzema. Maybe because so, maybe because of the whole sex tape thing as well. I
1: I think it's partly because of the of the blackmail that got you on the Benzema train in the first place. I really think it is, and that that's due for some sort of analysis. But but that's not this podcast. Uh, so I don't think you'll you'll guess my two uh, picks for for forward. Um, But I'm going to lead off with the one that's going to piss you off the most. I'm bringing us back to that 2010 World Cup, and I was just mesmerized watching the long bomber Diego (laughs) Forlán. You guys can see Donny's face right now. He's, He's contemplating dissolving the podcast entirely right this second.
0: I, and you know what, Eric? That's why they call you the gaffer. <laughs> I am not
1: saying that I believe Forlan deserved the the Golden Ball above uh, Wesley Schneider. All I'm saying is Forlan has a World Cup Golden Ball. Schneider does not. That's kind of like how you were talking about Ronaldo. Brazilian Ronaldo has two World Cup victories and other. So supposedly greatest players in the world do not it's nothing that i'm saying he deserved over schneider's so that he does have it you know he, in the record books he does have it uh, also but not, i mean i i was never gonna pick schneider i can't pick an inner player just never never a fucking chance it was fun just watching diego forlon in that 2010 world cup in south africa he was electric he, I think it was his second goal of the tournament. He bombed it from like 35 yards out or something. And it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm watching every game this guy's playing in, in this World Cup. So that was one of the. I'll have that memory kind of seared into my mind.
0: Yes, the um the fraud aside, he uh he did have a great <laughs> World Cup. He was exciting to watch at the time, at the time I totally agreed. Watching him was super exciting. Um, it was before I had the maturity and the appreciation to uh, understand the depth of corruption and when good and honest men like Wesley Schneider get fucked. But uh, I guess that's neither here nor well, there.
1: Once again, it wasn't Forlon who did the fucking. It was, it was the committee. It was the shadow you shadow. Know, he committee. may
0: not have done the fucking, but he happily spread the cheeks.
1: <laughs> so, uh, then uh, completing my, my final 11, my fave 11, uh, this is somebody who has, I just think, been Criminally underrated uh, everywhere he's been. Uh, also plays, played plays for one of the smaller uh, soccer nations in Europe. Um, he, you know, really I think made his mark on the soccer world at Man City. Uh, kind of during their their rise to prominence. And and I'm talking about Edin Dzeko, uh, somebody who just has all of the talent, all of the abilities that you really need from a focal uh, nine, a uh, focal point man. Uh, and then watching him lead Bosnia-Herzegovina in the World Cup and get absolutely fucked by the refs was just heartbreaking. Uh, but kind of following World Cup qualification and, and seeing him take them, to the World Cup. I think they had to win uh, one of the play-in games for the European spots. But just seeing the raw emotion. Uh, he's someone who, you know, then in his move to Roma, he's been able to play really well there. Just a complete striker.
0: And speaking of complete strikers, uh, I will then throw in the, <laughs> the centerpiece of my team, who I believe... This I'm, is a sham. <laughs> I believe... If this player had this team around him, in a 38-game season, 38 league games, would score 46 goals.
1: Donnie, I think we could find a bunch of strikers that if they had the team you've just listed around them all in their prime, they're (laughs) scoring at least 40 goals.
0: And obviously, I'm talking about Andy Carroll. Now, a lot of people would be surprised that I picked a Liverpool, um, (sighs) former Liverpool player for this lineup, but you forget, Andy Carroll for Newcastle was on fire. And for Liverpool, he sucked. And that's why I love him, too. Now, there's a lot of history with this player. And this is a brief tale of betrayal and trust. But one time, Eric and I started a FIFA season together. And Eric sold Andy Carroll for $20 million. I thought we were co-managers. But no, I was cucked. And Andy Carroll was taken for me. Now, I think this was FIFA 12. And in FIFA 12, Andy Carroll was like... Sneakily fucking incredible, because like he, he, you can to this, like you could volley with him and score headers with him, like at an unbelievably consistent rate. We and had I- a
1: rule, Donny. We had we had an agreement that if someone accepted an offer for twenty million, we had to sell those players. Donnie then went after I sold Andy Carroll. Donnie went and, and tried to sell all of my favorite players on our team for twenty
0: million, and nobody accepted the offer. <laughs> uh, I just I don't know. I've always something oh, about Andy, Andy Carroll, Carroll with, the, rule. <laughs> with the fucking ponytail and the earring, looking like in the Newcastle kit, looking like a motherfucking pirate. I don't know, man. When he had those couple that first that champ that season, he got him promoted from the championship, in that first season back in the Premier League. There was just something about that guy where I was always excited to, like, watch Newcastle play, which is a sentence I usually don't say very often. <laughs> um, but, you know, I always got to throw in, like, my one little kind of guy I kind of love, even though, objectively, he is by far and away the worst player of our combined teams. Like, it's by far and away he's the worst player. But I have an affinity towards him. I can't help it.
1: Honestly, uh, I have an open – I can slide him in there as my right back.
0: He's so gangly. <laughs> um, but yeah, to wrap it's things real, up,
1: an exercise just to kind of you know go back and think of players that just kind of stuck out for no particular reason, right? No, no affinity for uh, country or club, but it's just fun to do. Um, yeah, Donny, you want to wrap us up?
0: Yeah, I just want to say you know these are players that um, helped us fall in love with the game and. You know, there's something to be said about that. Like, at the end of the day, especially when you're a kid, all that matters is just loving the game.
1: Yeah. And I really appreciate you guys, you know, hopping on for another episode. Please, uh, you know, rate and subscribe. Uh, you can email us at un- ungopod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on, on the, the Twitter at ungopod. We'd love to hear some of your feedback, some of your questions, maybe things that you're curious about or excited for with the, the restarts of all these leagues underway. You know, we'd really love to, to increase. Uh, you know, we could bring back mailbag for douchebags if we ever get some emails. All I'm getting are ads from, from uh, SoundCloud, and I'm not about to read those
0: yeah so uh again thanks for joining us we'll talk to you like we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks bye
2: i was sitting wishing in this barren desert wasteland all alone hoping that mirages were in some type of scene i've come to know she whispered closely told me this is all that we could ever be None of me would be the enemy and destroy our destiny. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel. And I'll fight until the end, shall wounds always ban? Oh, no, no. Oh, yeah, right down to the bone. Until the day I realize my courage is all I ever own. Cause our love is a battlefield, and I'm a soldier made of steel, and I'll fight until the end. Shallow wounds all.